Hello and welcome to the Deeper Eye podcast. I am Lara Ferris, your host. For many years, I have been passionate about self-improvement. Through this, I have met the best specialists in their field who have given me tools and the courage to pursue a new path. The purpose of this podcast is to share with you everything I have learned through the conversations I have had with these amazing people. I hope these conversations will impact your life as they did to mine. Hi, today I will be having a conversation with Nikki Harrison. I am delighted that Nikki accepted my invitation on The Deeper Eye to talk about grief. Nikki Harrison is a grief therapist and transformational coach. She holds space for grief. She works with people individually and in group circles. And she is going to explain to us over several episodes what's the difference between healing individually and healing in a group circle and the different ways to deal with grief. Nikki herself has been through a very, very challenging journey and she had to deal with grief. And she will explain also and share some of her experience with us. I hope you will find this series of episodes about grief very useful. Good morning, Nikki. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really very grateful to have uh, met you. As you know, I reached out to you because... In March, I lost my best friend after she battled cancer for over three years. And I lost many people, uh, you know, in my life. You know, I just lost my parents. I lost a nephew. I lost a sister. And it's always been a truly painful and very hard. I can't even find the words to describe the feeling. For some reason, this loss maybe because it's at a certain a moment of my life that I felt it was really too hard to bear. And I reached out to you and thankfully you were available because my conversation with you are really very important to me and I ha- they are helping me enormously. So I guess um, if you don't mind just introducing yourself first of all, and then I think we can start talking about grief and how most we can help people that are going through the same pain as you and I have been or are. Thank you so much, Lara. Thank you for reaching out in the first place and thank you for our conversations that we've had already and and this really beautiful idea to explore recording some of those so that people in the future, as all people will experience loss, can find this place as a space of refuge and hopefully a sanctuary to just drop into conversations about loss in a way that I don't think are being explored enough. Mm. So thank you, thank you. It's one of my favorite things <laughs> coming and and talking about um and talking about grief because it's so important for yeah. us as humans to know how to grieve. It's a skill 
mm-hmm. that's been lost and it's important because we will all know loss in so many different forms and it's part of this life death life renewal rebirth you know winter into summer mm-hmm. continual sense of um of what it means to be to be alive and mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I'll backtrack a little and and just share how I ended up here <laughs> to give anyone listening a bit of context. So, yeah, as as Lara said, my name is is Nikki and I have been running this project called The Grief Space for about 4 or 5 years more officially and many years before that unofficially. <laughs> I often say that it was it was kind of my life's path for whatever reason to walk Mm. very closely with grief and I have had a very very deep sort of life altering experience of grief and loss with my own mother so she my mum Lizzie she died when I was 23 but I guess what was even more kind of pivotal was that she had been suffering for depression for many many years Mm. before that um she died by suicide and so it was a very complicated experience of of losing her while she was still physically here and I'm very interested in in kind of complicated grief you know how how we have language and acknowledgement for the griefs that we feel that are not so easily kind of fitting into a neat box of, of bereavement um but all of the complicated Griefs that we feel, whether it be mental health, whether yeah. we be you know, going through a significant breakup, our own health conditions, our longing for home, our, the grief we feel for the collective, you know, all of these things. But anyway, I, I went through this, this kind of deep experience of, of loss and, and grief. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, you know, my mum and my, my ongoing healing journey with that obviously inspires the work that I do but actually what inspires it more is as the years rolled by I was so stunned by how incapable our society was at being able to support me or welcome the magnitude of what I was feeling Mm -hmm. and I guess I'm just very grateful that that somewhere deep deep inside me there was a part of my part of my soul part of my part of my heart that just knew that there was a better way there was a different way to honor and acknowledge and move and heal from my grief far beyond what I was being presented which you know was it was your kind of typical very loving friends, um, albeit young. You know, I think it's very Mm -hmm. difficult to be bereaved in your early 20s if if you don't have many people around you who have had difficult experiences. You know, I was lucky enough to be able to afford therapy. Yeah, and I had an understanding workplace. So on paper, that should have been enough, but it was nowhere near enough. Mm -hmm. It was, therapy is beautiful, but actually it's still keeps your grief behind closed doors you know Mm. one-on-one in a room where for an hour a week you're expected to integrate this life-changing experience kind of then with the understanding that you can sort of cope 
for the rest of the seven days. Yeah. And I was drawn to like, trying to understand different ways of doing it. So I went on a really beautiful journey of exploring different cultures, uh, traditions, rituals, ceremonies, came to understand how important community is in grief. Yes. So being in spaces where we can share our stories and be witnessed and hear other people's and kind of bring grief out of the shadows into a space where it can be shared. And then more recently, a big part of my work has been around embodiment and and a deep understanding that actually grief and trauma is held mostly in the body. And yet we try and come at it from the space of, of the mind. And I think so much of our culture hides these days in our intellect and in our capacity to try and think our way through something. And actually, it's only when I started to understand and release the body through somatic experiencing, breath work, um, gentle kind of trauma-releasing yeah. exercises, that I actually feel like the energetic imprint of grief yeah. has been able to shift. It's amazing. I'm, I'm so, you know, while you were talking, I was just mm-hmm. thinking how, you know, sometimes something happens that's really tragic and we really have a lot of difficulty to understand why it's happening to us initially, we think. And then gradually now, especially thinking of your story and your journey, I realize that it not just happened for you, but for so many other people. Like if you had not felt this and been through this, you couldn't have relieved and helped and gave acknowledgement, you know, uh, yeah, acknowledge the pain of so many people and help them deal with it. And that brings me to exactly, actually, my, my, my first question that I've asked myself, not just now, but f- for years since I first got to experience uh, death, you know, grief w- with uh, d- losing the death of my father was the first death, death I w- was close to experiencing. You said that it's very important to be surrounded by people and to be in a community. And what I can hear is like, it's really important to to be able to talk about it and not be scared to to say how much you suffer and talk to people who are not actually trying to deny and ignore your feelings because sometimes people around us in society they do that thinking if if we do that it's going to go away if we deny because if we acknowledge the pain it's going to sit there and this person will stay with it and maybe it will grow. So can you try to just explain to me what's the difference between like attachment to that horrible feeling and denial of that, of that feeling? And how do you just live it in a healthy way without feeling that you're stuck in it? Yeah, thank you. I think, um, I think what you've touched on there is, is two of the reasons that that people shy away mm. from grief, grief tending at all. And I think both of those things come down to fear. Yeah. Fear that if they go into the grief, that 
it will be, you know, too much and they'll sort of never get back up again. I've heard so many people come to me saying that they are very, very um, uncomfortable about mm-hmm. you know, lifting the lid mm-hmm. on on what is going on because they know the depths and the magnitude of what's underneath it. Yeah. And and then I think that there is there is a second fear in all of this of like how we will be socially and um, culturally received. Yeah. You know, I think we spoke of the words, you know, my grief is too much. Mm-hmm. And this kind of expectation that after a certain amount of time or a certain kind of depth that somebody's traveled to, that there is a kind of an unspoken expectation in the, in our culture that we will start to move on and move forward. And if we don't portray that, then there's a lot of shame that yeah. follows because ultimately we're such social beings. Of course. You know, I, I'd love to unpack unpack these things and, and I will in a moment, but I guess what I just want to really make a point around is like both of those things are rooted in fear. You know, fear that this grief is going to be too much. I'm not going to be able to process it. It's going to overwhelm my whole system and I'm going to collapse mm-hmm. forever. You know, mm-hmm. I'm being dramatic, but mm-hmm. that's the, yeah, that's yeah. the thought. Um, or, you know, other people are not going to be able to handle this. I'm not going to be accepted. You know, I've got roles to fulfill, albeit in work, in my family, in my friendship group. And it, it's not possible in this society to fall apart. So I'm, so I'm not going to. And I guess the, the problem with both of those things is ultimately we're not acknowledging the truth. The truth is that we feel like we we absolutely need to honor and acknowledge what's here. The truth is that it's huge yeah. and that it's here whether we like it or not. And so the way I see it is we expend so much energy holding ourselves together because we're terrified of falling apart and we're terrified that we won't be accepted and loved if we do. And all of that energy is actually more suffering than than it would be if we were able to go into it in the right setting with the right appropriate holding and and safety. You Mm -hmm. know, I think Mm -hmm. this is where it's so delicate because our bodies and our nervous systems are actually incredibly, incredibly wise. And if that and if there's a part of you that is resisting going into the grief, there's going to be some intelligence in that that's that that can kind of look around you and think, okay, it's not quite safe to do so. Mm. But the wisdom comes from, you know, hopefully hearing conversations like this and acknowledging, okay, I am in a place where I'm terrified to go into my grief. I am in a place where I'm scared of the impact that'll have on my life and the person that I am in the world. And instead of then, okay, pushing that all to one side and thinking, okay, well, I can't possibly go there. Yeah, It's like, okay, how do I take a deep breath and find the people and spaces that can support me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because what I can completely unequivocally say, everybody that moves towards grief with a willingness to, to let it move through them, to be changed by it, to feel it deeply, to, to go to its depth. Those people, you know, I've seen hundreds now, they don't get stuck in it. They, grief 
is almost like this kind of force of energy and it will com- it will complete a cycle if we allow it to move through us. I think we probably all had the experience of like resisting a cry for weeks mm-hmm. and then eventually giving over to the tears yeah. and immediately afterwards we do feel better. We do feel yeah. like something's been released. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be tears. It could be anger. It could be acknowledgement, sharing, ritual. But when we allow grief to move through us, we create a healthier relationship with it. We, we expand our capacity to hold it and, and therefore integrate it. So we're not getting stuck in it like you described, Mm -hmm. but we're also not resisting it either. And there are so many different tools to do that you know I think we don't maybe we talk about them and in more depth like what are the actual tools that you have to go into your grief more deeply but you know one of the things I just want to say at this point is although I'm a I'm a huge advocate for tending to our grief I'm also a huge advocate of finding moments of relief as well you know I I talk about release releasing and also finding relief so oscillating between deeply releasing emotion and then also finding the, the moments and the people and the places that give your body a rest yeah. and a moment of relief. And, you know, I, I feel that we can't actually fully heal grief and trauma unless we turn towards beauty and pleasure and connection. Yeah. And so it's not, you know, people always comment on how my the grief circles and the, the retreats I run they're very joyful. (laughs) You wouldn't um, expect it, but there's an aliveness that comes from welcoming grief that actually frees up a lot of life force to be able to find more joy Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. This talks to me so deeply. Uh, I see in many culture, people sitting all together and just acting as if their role it's just to sit there in suffering and cry and uh, sometimes pretend to cry because you can't control the crying. It it comes. It's a wave of emotion that comes. Sometimes I'm sitting, I'm feeling extremely normal and happy. And even thinking of my friend who passed away, I just think of Maya with lots of love and tenderness. And I, I, I even you know, communicate somehow with my feelings, you know, to, to her and some others, I just, uh, I just really, it's not good enough. It's not enough. I have to talk to her. I have to hear physically her answer about a subject or her opinion or her view, or I miss moments like going to walks with her. And I know that. I can go walk and just feel her, think of her. and But of course, it's not the same. And it, it's mm. never, it never will be the same. But um, before I start talking to you and having this, you know, hope that I will be one day able to measure, you know, to be able to measure this line of, I call it the red, red line. Like you, I'm always worried to step into a place where grief becomes everything in my life and mm. I'm I'm passing through other 
you know, things that could be so beautiful to live in my life. So I don't want to get stuck in it. And the reason why I'm obsessed of this being stuck is I lived the experience with my sister who lost a son by car accident. And she obviously suffered so much that I, I could just see the pain growing in her. Mm. I, I wasn't really sure what to do, what to say, obviously. And I don't think she was seeing a therapist. I'm not really sure because she wasn't very open to talk about it because in her mind, nobody could understand her if they haven't lost a child themselves. Like it was, she didn't want to talk to anyone and she ended up sitting in in a very, very lonely place. And I felt how it was seen by me from the outside. She was really stuck in in her pain. And there was few times where I could sense she was crying for help. You know, she didn't want to stay in that pain because she also had another child that she adores and that she obviously knew he needed her as well. But it was more than she could bear. It was not in her hands. It, it, she felt powerless to that pain and it eventually caught up with her. She got very ill and she died also from cancer. Um, and I don't know if I, sh you know, if I'm right to say that or not, because it, she never told me this. It I just felt it. The day mm. she knew she would die, it, she was nearly relieved. And I, I could see a relief in her eye and it, it was, it stayed with me. I never talked to anyone about it, but now that it's, I have the opportunity to have this series of podcasts with you. I would like to try and understand the difference between living a healthy grief, living a denial grief and living stuck in the grief. Um, so I don't know how we will, we will do that, but I, I leave it to you to, um, maybe start talking about one, then the other, and then the third one, or just compare them and give us maybe some uh, clues or, or, uh, tools on how to recognize if we are living, if we can call it a healthy grief process. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that so vulnerably I was really yeah my heart was really with you when you were sharing about witnessing your sister mm -hmm. collapse into herself mm -hmm. in her grief and um ultimately I don't I don't know you know we don't know why some people find ways to move through the most horrendous of circumstances mm -hmm. And why other people cannot, you know, I think there's such nuance in each individual's life experiences that will be impacting their capacity and their availability to move through what, what we're kind of saying is yeah. healthy grief. Yeah. You know, um, I was talking with a dear friend who is a child psychotherapist, but specializes in grief called mm -hmm. Louis. Mm -hmm. Weinstock and he was saying how you know essentially our skills at knowing how to process grief start at an incredibly young mm -hmm. age 
we experience losses all the time as children, whether it be maybe we lose our favorite dummy or blanket um, or, you know, our our parents leave for a couple of hours or we don't get the chocolate biscuit that we want. And we, we are shown and we're role models how to start to deal with, with that emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately in our culture, so many children aren't really shown how to be with big emotions instead that there is a a focus on maybe distraction okay can we can you know can we get you a new teddy so that you'll stop crying um it might be uh kind of show it showing the child that it you know maybe they're crying and we give them an ice cream instead it's like there's there's not a lot of education around how do we help children move through grief mm-hmm. and without getting kind of too caught up on that I think what that means is when the time comes that people experience it people experience like total life-shattering losses everyone has their own relationship with experiencing emotion that you know they've probably been cultivating for decades yeah I also do think that whatever your kind of spiritual connection may be has an impact Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking necessarily about religion, although it could be. I just mean like, what is your connection to life and beauty and reverence of nature? And how much can you feel in awe and in reverence to the kind of chaos and wildness of nature? So there's there's like this, um, can we find a sense of peace and holding Mm -hmm. even amongst the most horrendous of tragedies yes of course the belief is so important because you know if you believe in a beautiful life after death then Mm. you absolutely um, at least feel the peace for the person who has gone the suffering stays i guess the same for you for for us here who are left Mm -hmm. behind um but i i completely can see that it is a much more peaceful feeling if you believe in something beautiful Mm. happening because if you just believe that that's it you know we live here and then we're we cut and we're nothing after that Mm. it would be extremely hard for me to to make sense of any of that you know so i totally understand what you're saying about the belief and the different religions yeah but you know just to to kind of acknowledge what what you shared about your sister you know people often ask me you know is it really over is it overwhelming or talking about grief all day you know how do you cope with um holding so so much Mm -hmm. loss and big emotions for others and how does it not kind of take over and honestly when I sit with that question yeah I don't feel too worried about the people in my in my grief circles even the ones that are coming holding the most horrific sudden unexpected losses and the reason that I don't you know I hold them in my heart in between sessions but I don't worry about them Mm -hmm. is that I trust grief I trust that 
it will kind of do what it needs. It's a force. It will do what it needs to do with you. I worry more about the, you know, and I'm not saying everybody would come to Mm -hmm. me. I'm just one person who sees, you know, 20, 30 people a week. But what I, if I say it kind of tritely, I worry about all of the people who are not coming to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I worry about the, the millions, if not billions of people who like your sister are, are not finding yeah. spaces where they can open up their grief and so that's why you know I almost end every conversation and every circle by saying the ripple effects of what we're doing here is far more important than each of our individual healing yeah. because we want to change a frequency change a narrative change a conversation that means you know somebody like your your sister who's had who experienced the most horrific tragedy that she would naturally be enveloped by a community and a village who had the skills to know how to hold her. You know, I've heard of certain cultures where if somebody in their community has a, a really awful loss, they will sit by the fire for a year. Huh. And be given, and as the village holds space for them to grieve, and you know, ultimately, I, I, I think of somebody like the story you've just told of your sister, and I just think, in my view, nothing is insurmountable. But I also have the feeling of, you know, no wonder she fell into a deep, deep collapse because she possibly didn't have the the access to a way of understanding grief that that really let it shift and and move through her so it it ultimately got stuck that is the point that exactly the point that i would like to talk about over and over again with you is that moment when you sit like for example my sister sit in your room cry 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 for hours and not want to see anyone not want to go out uh, not believe in anything anymore and then you see this person for example that you describe sitting around the fire feeling the grief but being supported by a community like talking about the grief acknowledging this is the this is the moment where my confusion comes like what is the difference what what is the difference why in one case you feel it and it just goes through your body and eventually would leave your body and in another example you just feel it i guess in the same way is it the non support that makes it turn into poison in your body is it the I mean, I thought we were acknowledging my sister's pain, but clearly not in the same way as you describe in this community. They support each other. Would you mind talking about that a bit more? Yeah, thank you, Laura. And I have had similar conversations with my friends. You know, I think there was a time when I could sense that some of my friends were almost getting a little bit offended Mm because they were saying, but we did support you and we did show up for you. And um, maybe a bit of guilt or confusion, like as you described, confusion. Um, And so I just want to kind of say up front that I'm not commenting on the the kind of willingness or 
effort or love that close family members will have given people during during those times but I can share my own experience and it you know it's only a kind of story of one but I have heard others share similar stories it was only when I started going to grief rituals and workshops and held community spaces because the container was held that this is a safe space to go into your grief with as much intensity as you need to I guess if I refer back to like those two fears I mentioned fear of collapsing and fear of of kind of not fitting in or being judged somehow when you enter into a safe space where grief tending is welcomed, those fears drop away mm. because you know that you're held and supported. So you can go into the kind of collapse knowing that you'll also be taken out of it. And also you're you're intentionally there with a group of people who all want to go into the the deep, deep, deep witnessing. So you kind of leave all of the judgment of, you know, how do I fit in culturally at the door? And for me, those experiences of, you know, being able to wail in the presence of 10 other people and to have some of the teachers look me in the eye and say, you know, what you went through is absolutely huge. And I see that. And of course, you're grieving as much as you are. Like those experiences for me, and I didn't need to have, what's interesting is I didn't Mm -hmm. need to have very many of them, maybe two or three enough for them to inbuilt something into me that allowed me to feel really mm-hmm. seen. I also think just to speak directly to you, Lara, like I don't think it it's the role yeah. of the closest family and friends to hold that space. Maybe it is in very intact communities where everybody is resourced and supported. But you know, in our modern society where everybody is disconnected and got so much of their own stuff going on, it would not have been expected that you, as the sister, with all of your own stuff and not enough of of an understanding in yourself to know how to hold that, like, that's exactly how I felt, like, yeah, how can I, um, how can I help her get out of this when I'm, I'm feeling so messed up Mm -hmm. myself? Mm -hmm. You know, and I was going through, um, you know, a lot at the time anyway. Also lots of guilt. I, I was pregnant the same month that she lost her son. So I just, anyway, it's not about me for now, for, for now anyway. But uh, what I want to say is I think I understood now finally something major. I just had a big insight, I think. It's basically... When you sit alone or with close family and you, you you sit in that, I want to call it a maze, you know, of of suffering. You go from one feeling to another, which is all suffering, not knowing where to go after. And I think what she felt is like being a black sheep. Like looked, people look at her and say, oh my God, the poor woman, what she must be feeling and I think that's what you refer to when you are in this grief group. Your pain is celebrated in the sense that you're not a black sheep. You're one of so many people. There is a world that this 
woman who's my sister and many like her are sitting in their own bedroom just you know thinking over and over of their lack and their what they're missing and they're not really acknowledged the way that they need to be acknowledged and do you think that's what uh, what absolutely and 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 yeah what people say in the grief groups i run over and over again is the most medicine you know the most kind of healing aspect of of the program is in the community and the the listening and the sharing of stories between the other people because it's actually very easy and I I mean this very gently so I hope this isn't kind of a triggering Mm -hmm. sentence to say but Mm -hmm. grief can really take us to a very deep victim space into yeah, a quite yeah. a um, self-absorbed, um, mm-hmm. and, oh my gosh, that could be taken out of context, but I hope people stay with me because I'm saying it out of compassion because I've been there. It's like it takes us so deeply into this place of why me? What could have happened differently? Mm. What could I have done to prevent it? You know, mm. that total spiral. Because because also, there's you know, your chances are you are going to be in the minority at that given time in life you know people around you Mm -hmm. are going to be more people around you are going to be kind of seemingly doing better I think over a lifetime that might not be the case but in those particular years when it's really raw I totally understand yeah In, in that moment that's all you see and it's very important to come to circles to even have that reminder of oh my gosh I'm not suffering alone because it takes yeah. you back into connection, but it also takes you into mm-hmm. into more humility. And also, you know, I understand why that's a very difficult thing for some people to do. So I say all of this with like real gentleness and kindness. And, you know, I have mm-hmm. some people come to circles who are totally in shock and not able to really show up as a witness to anybody else. And in those mm-hmm. situations, I'll just say, just be here you know just be here in the circle you don't have to do anything you don't have to be anything to anyone but being in community is important for your unconscious it's important for your nervous system and you know I think we've all seen how people can spiral and so I yeah I just really want to pause and and acknowledge the story you shared but but also that that is quite a universal experience of spiraling so Thank you for bringing it. Thank you, Nikki. I think next time I would love to start talking to you about, for example, these people that mm-hmm. come and find it extremely difficult to to even share so openly and have to look at the wounds that's so open. Because when you are in these circles, I guess you, the purpose of it is is to stop being fearful of your of your mm. your enormous pain to stop being fearful to look at it to stop being fearful of how raw it is and um i think it's a cultural also thing you know we we all have been told no matter where we come from that we have to be strong if if i have to pick one sentence i've been told all my childhood is you have to be strong you have to cope with things. Um, come on, stop crying. You know, move, move on. 
I could I could find so many words that all lead to one thing. The message was, don't be upset because it's not going to help you to be upset or to cry or to... And I, this is the part where when you have a tragedy like this, losing anyone, of course, there is a several degree of of pain because I'm sure losing a child must be, I mean one of the biggest pain a human being can can endure but i think the one initial question is to try and understand your belief around being able to accept how vulnerable and weak and help you need mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a really clear thread of this tapestry that we need to unravel you know, and yeah. and I would add when you were saying the message you received was be strong because yeah. that will serve you. There was mm-hmm. also, please correct me if I'm wrong, but there was also a a subtext of be strong, otherwise you are, you are not welcome here. Mm-hmm. Mm, totally, yeah, absolutely, and that's how trauma starts. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's how you build traumas, and then you live with it all your life because yeah. <laughs> any any experience that comes to your life later, you are still stuck in that moment in time mm. where you needed so badly to talk about something. Mm. But you, 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 as you said, you were so fearful of not being accepted or loved that you just de-associate from it. Absolutely. And um, of, of course, we know now, after so many years of trying to understand the process, that when you ignore something enough, it doesn't mean that it's going to go away. It will just bounce up somehow again until you look at it. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think maybe as a beautiful place to close for today is to, is to really focus on, you know, be brave by being soft yeah yeah absolutely because it's a very yeah it's the harder thing beautiful (laughs) sentence it's really beautiful to uh, yeah leave with that Mm. thank you so much nikki i would um love to uh, so speak with you next time we meet about how we can get over these beliefs that Mm. we are imprinted with Mm. and how important it is in relation to grieving Mm. thank you so much for being with me and for taking the time i truly appreciate it a lot and i look forward to next conversation Mm. thank you lara it's been so so beautiful to spend this morning talking about these things much love thank you for listening i hope you found the conversation with nikki useful and please do share it with people that have been through the suffering of losing someone in their life. Grief is a very difficult journey to live and the feeling that comes with it is sometimes extremely overwhelming. So don't hesitate to share with as many people as you know that could find this conversation useful. And I look forward to my next meeting with Nikki to record episode two about grief. Subscribe to The Deeper Eye so every time we have a new release of an episode, you will be notified. 
Thank you for listening.